All right. Happy to be back with you all this week on The Big Ticket Life and to have my incredible guest, Tracy, join us. And I committed, I'll come right out of the gate. I committed a big sin in the podcast world. I forgot to ask for the exact pronunciation of your name, but I'm going to guess. Is it plus short? Close. Close, but no, it's plush court. Okay, that was my second one, but I got a little fancy with that CNH, you know, like in the Italian language, it's bruschetta. The CH is not like children or court. Well, in your case, court is the H is silent, but thank you. So, yeah. Tracy Plush Court, thank you. Thank you for thank being you. here. Yeah, thank you for having me, Jeff. It's so good to be here. I love the intro, although I must say it's a little intimidating watching all of these people that you've interviewed over the course of, you know, all your podcasting. But so thanks for having me here. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, we're uh, approaching uh, episode 100, which is I love it. You know, always a, always kind of a special thing for a podcast yeah. show. And then, and then you roll after that. But uh, either way, thank you. Thank you for being a part of it. Thank you for My helping pleasure. us get there. So, uh, as I said in our, our our quick time together before our show, you know, we're kind of in this pivot. I'm I'm, I'm I've been taking conversations this way, but I'm really uh, officially kind of putting a stamp on it that this show is turning into that that more of a, a higher level, higher thinking, uh, bringing out vulnerability in people, showing what their journeys have been like. Um, you know, yes, I can still talk business. Uh, I can still share business tips. I have a tremendous depth of experience. So do my guests. But I think the the world needs more healing and impact, not more business consultants. If we can fix that gaping hole in the chest of people, they can be better business leaders. But we got to address the underlying stuff first. We got to address our whole person first. We got to we gotta just really be uh, good embodied human beings. That's where I, I feel my calling hard. is at. So thank you for being a part of this conversation today. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. I think that you have really hit on the one missing link to, you know, the problems, the obstacles, the challenges that so many people face, um, you know, whether they're facing it in their personal lives or their professional lives, it all comes back to really not understanding themselves. And so... Um, I am so thrilled to be here to help your audience learn how to understand themselves. And it starts with learning how to think differently. So we can get into that. But I, yeah, I think we are beautifully aligned in our messaging. Yeah, love it. Um, so let's kind of start off with where you were, because when I saw a pop up on this, I'm like, oh, this is gonna be cool because you had a, what sounds like a really successful long tenured career in advertising. And I'm a I'm an advertising geek. I shared that in the pre-show. Like I actually collect and have files of old ads that catch my attention. Great headlines, you know, uh, selling unique and different products. And I have a ton of respect for that game because, you know, way back in the day, you know, you really had to be on the ball. You know, it's not easy today where you can A B test some headlines on Facebook or Google AdWords you know, or test an image on Instagram uh, to see what gets the most interaction. You know, all of that does take time. It takes effort. It does take money in the expense of doing that. But it's not like it used to be when you had to, you know, put something to the printing press and, and it goes down to the art department and they stencil things in and they cut and paste. And 
you know, it, it's not like it was. So yeah. what was your career all about? What what were some of the highlights? And then we'll get into like that push and pull of, of when that 20-year mark came, where you were at in your mind. Yeah. So it was um, back in the late 90s that I found myself in the advertising industry. And I felt so fortunate to have landed, you know, a job at first, which then became a career. Um, never did I imagine that I would have this ability to work amongst some of the most creative minds out there. Um, and not only that, you know, have an opportunity to work on some of the most, you know, um, cool brands. Like we had some of the best of the best brands, like Harley Davidson and, oh. um, yeah. So when you said you're a collector, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm right there with you. I like, I have some of the old ads in my closet here because I was such a fan of the creativity yep. and, you know, those minds that are able to really like hit the mark on what the feeling is that you want to generate when somebody reads a print ad or sees, you know, the motorcycle um, broadcasting, you know, like it's just, it's, it is an art. And so I appreciate the fact that you used that word. Um, and I just felt so um, <laughs> grateful for being able to, to make my mark in that industry. I actually happened to be on the operations side. So I was more um, organizational, you know, in, in my role, less on, you know, on creative, but I did have an opportunity to work with the clients as well as, yeah. you know, our asset, which was our employees and um, really creating an environment for both the client and our employees that retained them, which kept them with us. And so yep. my job was super important. Um, and I loved every minute of it, but it didn't come without some sacrifices, um, timing, you know, a lot of time away from my family for one. Um, I didn't know how to cope with a lot of the stress that I was feeling. And so it led to some kind of net negatives in my life. Um, I absolutely do not point to the job <clears throat> as, you know, the, the actual cause. I really just not knowing how to cope with stress and overwhelm and frustration. Um, I, you know, it led me to overeating and over drinking and, mm. and, you know, all of the behaviors that most people are out there trying to avoid or trying to figure out how to overcome. And so, um, I, for the longest time, looked back on that, you know, that career with so much gratitude because, you know, I got to do some of the coolest things. But now I look at it as being grateful for some of the sacrifices and some of the pain points of it because it actually teed up what I'm doing today. I can relate to the struggles that so many people you know, in corporate America or in executive type positions, or even in just, you know, the daily nine to five, I can relate to what they're struggling with. And um, it's only because I had my own experience with it. Can I today be able to help them? And so I, I find myself again in a lot of gratitude for that experience. Yeah. Yeah. So you were 
So I, I'm a, uh, you know, on the uh, rocket fuel EOS scale, I'm a visionary on the desk. I'm like way up there on D. Yeah. <laughs> I is the bottom third of the the chart. And then the rest of the stuff's like non-existent. Um, so you're, you're the, you're, you're the folks, you were the person that keeps people like me in line. Right. <laughs> you're the person that sorts and stacks and organizes all the ideas. And, you know, is, is the, uh, my friend, um, oh, his name just went right off the top of my head. I met him last year through, through shows like this. Oh, what's his name? Oh, I, you're the stabilizing human. Forget, doesn't matter. Don't need to delay. You're the stabilizing human in the relationship yeah. between client and creative. Yeah. Uh, I had, I think pleasure is the right word, but I don't know that it's the right word. Uh, my one business, we had uh, the pleasure of doing business with an agency as a fulfillment arm for for some stuff. And agency folks are, man, they're a different breed. They like, <laughs> like people say, I thrive in chaos. That's cool. But when you create chaos for the sake of chaos, that's a whole different life. And it's like, that's just what we do around here, right? Like, the, Yeah, yeah. I, it's wild. It's wild how their minds work. That's, I don't have a better way of explaining it um, until you've, you know, experienced it yourself, like being amongst those kind of mindsets. Um, yeah. Like you, if you're somebody who watches movies and tries to pick it apart of, you know, the production of it, like you can't even begin to wrap your your head around how their minds work to create or to produce what it is that you're watching. It's phenomenal. And so to be able to work alongside of those kind of people is just such a an amazing experience. Yeah. You know, and this has appropriateness to where I feel our conversation can go. Um, I'll ask you one more question on the vein of advertising and then we'll we can we can shift gears. But uh it has appropriateness because and I'll paint it this way. Uh, were you a fan of the Mad Men series on AMC? Uh, uh-huh. Yeah, of course. <laughs> there's, there's, yeah, there, there. You can't be in marketing and advertising and not right. have loved that. You know, I like the earlier seasons better because they were more focused on the art, the skill. Yeah, you know what was going. There was a lot of cool. If you, if you're, at, if you've studied the history, you saw some subtle things called out. Mm-hmm. So the production team did great um, bringing it all together, but. Um, it, you know, it has relevance because there's a moment in Mad Men where Don Draper says to Lane Price when Lane is bemoaning, the operations guy is bemoaning about the cost of pencils and paper. <laughs> and Don says, they go through this stuff so we get better ideas. Right. We need to use more of that so we get better and better ideas. You got to let these people, essentially he was saying, you got to let these people work the way they're accustomed to working. Uh-huh. And, you know, it's, it's pennies and then Lane retorts back with something of, you know, well, pennies make pounds and pounds make profit or something like that. And because um, he's a British guy brought into the series, if you haven't watched it, but uh, it's just such an incredible series that brings home your point of how you brought the different minds together. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and so as we bridge into the you know, shift gears, like, where do you come from? What is your skill? What do you urge people to understand about others? Yeah. Um, I would say, first and foremost, because I hear this all the time, is like, can you help me, you know, help my husband understand that, you know, um, doing what he says he's going to do is important? Or can you help me 
um, you know, make my kids help get their homework done at night. And it's like, actually, it's really a counterintuitive approach. It's really looking at yourself first and foremost, asking yourself some of the questions around like, why is that a problem in the first place? Like, why are you even, what's, where's the struggle coming from? What are, what are you making it mean that your husband isn't coming home when he says he's supposed to be, you know, he's going to be home or what, what are you making it mean about yourself when your kids aren't getting their homework done? So, you know, trying to change another person or a circumstance or an event, um, it's literally outside of your control and it's very, right. um, it can be very exhausting and you have to understand, try to understand why are you trying to control something that is outside of your control? Mm. Circumstances are outside of our control. We can control how we are thinking and feeling about things, but we cannot control the actual circumstance. Um, so the answer is, you know, going back to yourself and trying to understand yourself instead of trying to change another person. I love that thought of control. Really what I've come to focus on for myself personally and that I see in others is that control is almost this fight or flight reaction to circumstances how we view circumstances, how we view opinions on ourselves, opinions on each other. There's there's fear, uh, there's sadness, there's all these negative emotions around it. And control is the thing, if I'm thinking right, that comes to the surface and manifests in this uh, quote-unquote positive way. But really, it's a very negative thing. Any yeah. thoughts on that? Yeah, I think it's interesting because we use a framework to help people think differently, to teach people how to think. And my promise is always it's going to create a sense of control. And so I think it's interesting because first off, it's important to define control. Do you think of control as an action? Do you think of it like as something you either have or you don't have? Um, do you think of it as an ability? I like to think of control as a feeling. And so it's interesting to first define it for yourself and then to ask yourself, okay, so if it's a feeling that I want to be feeling, how do I get there? And that brings you right back to how am I going to think? And most of us are thinking on default. We're kind of on autopilot with our thinking. You know, we think an idea pops in our head and we just believe it as the truth. We don't question it. And then we behave. We either react or respond. If we're reacting, it's it's usually an unintentional behavior. It's it's typically stemming from a kind of a habitual thought or a belief that we have thought a million and one times. And so we just react from it. But Often we don't question it. We don't like look backwards and go, okay, so why did I behave that way? What was it that I was feeling? And what was the belief or the thought that created that feeling? Because one of the universal law laws that we just kind of all have to understand in, in order to make this theory or my way of thinking actually jive is that your feelings are always coming from or generated from a thought or a belief. 
So whether it's unintentional or, or intentional, your, the, your emotions, the vibration that's running through your body is coming from a thought or a belief. And it's only that you are feeling something that you behave in such a way. So you're either reacting or responding based on what it is that you're feeling. So if you are somebody who is on a diet and you walk through your kitchen and you, you know, find yourself, you know, face down in a plate of cookies and you're like, why does this keep happening? I feel like I'm eating against my will. I'm on a diet. Why does this keep happening? You have to not, you know, fixate so much on the actions. It's instead kind of reverse architect it. What was I feeling? Was it an urge? And why was I feeling that urge? Because I was unintentionally believing that I deserve that, or I have to have that, or I have to eat it right now before it isn't there, right? Like it's, and it sounds silly when you really right. look at thoughts that are going through your head, but revealing it, putting a spotlight on it is so helpful in understanding your human behavior. You are a human being. You, We all have that three-pound organ that exists between our ears. Part of it is met, its objective is to keep us alive. And it offers us these fear-based thoughts that have us reacting. That's just part of being a human being. But if you don't know that, if that's not like a universal truth to you, and so many people were never taught this, then you look at your behaviors and you just deduct I'm a bad person. I'm broken. I'm meant to always behave this way. Something is fundamentally wrong with me. And that's not the truth. It's just that you haven't been taught how to think. You've been taught what to think. I think we can all agree on this as well. We all had our experience in school where we were taught what to think, and then we were tested on what to think or our ability to memorize it. But we are never taught the neuroscience of our brain Half of our brain is purposed with keeping you alive, and it does it in a very dramatic way with these fear-based thoughts. And the you know we're not in a lot of danger in these days. We were when we were in the primitive state, but today we're not in a lot of danger. But yet we still react to these yeah. primitive fear-based thoughts, and so that's what creates these net negative results. It's not that you're bad or that you're broken or that you're stupid. It's just that you've never been taught. And so when you can see it for what's really happening, now you can start to kind of separate yourself from the actual behavior and you kind of become the watcher of it. And then you start to feel like you have a sense of control over your thinking and your feelings and your behaviors because it all makes sense now. You're not running away from it. You're not judging yourself over it. Yeah. Yeah, so much to dig into there. I really love how you said the three-pound organ between your ears. A lot of people refer to the brain as a muscle. And I was one of those people up until a, a few months back. And then uh, I was working with one of my coaches and and she said, it's a muscle, or I'm sorry, it's an organ. And it's an organ because of all the billions of cellular connections. And, you know, a muscle you can break down and build back up and break down and build back up. And an organ is something that lives and regenerates and, and you know, sheds uh, the bad and brings back on the good. And so, yeah, you should think of it as an organ. Um, you know, you touched on a lot about how people think and, and the inputs. Um, 
I was talking with a friend of mine, Teresa Golden. She's a uh, African American woman, um, and we we got on the topic of her fear of swimming, and she says, "I don't even know where that comes from." Mm. She grew up in the Upper Midwest, Wisconsin. So a lot of water up that way, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you know, we we've had some deep conversations about a number of topics, societal topics, political topics, human topics, you name it. And uh, and she said that she thinks for herself specifically, um, and her community, that as as a broader statement, the fear of water comes from the Middle Passage during the slave trade. It's that it's that cellular genetic code that mm-hmm. was imprinted. Yeah. And I've been studying that. That's one of the things I read on. I've got, you know, and if people listening to this think, well, that sounds really weird, Jeff. Well, I would just put forth this. There's a lot of biohacking today for going forward in your life. Hacking your genetics going forward in your life. And so I would just put forth to people, if you believe that you can do that going forward, is it not fair to say it can happen having, you know, backward in the past? Yeah. 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 Right? I mean, I think a- there any are... thoughts there to add on that? Yeah. I think that there are several ways that you can think about it where I tend to go on those kind of beliefs that she has is, you know, it's your exposure and, and it's hard to recall when was I exactly exposed to the fact that, you know, swimming is dangerous or I am, you know, I don't have the ability to swim as well, or, you know, my heritage doesn't allow me to develop the skill of swimming. Like, when was I exposed to that narrative or that message? And I don't personally know, or I'm not sure I believe it matters so much as to when I was exposed to that. Um, but it it does matter that there was messaging at somewhere along the line that I didn't question, you know, especially if you're sharing that messaging from more of an authority figure, right? Like a lot of times these messages were indoctrinated into, so you would never question it. And so I just kind of accept it as it was messaging that I was exposed to that I unintentionally or intentionally believed and I carried it forward. And today as an adult, I can see that that belief actually isn't helpful. You know, it, yeah. it not necessarily, you know, a bad belief. Sometimes it is, but I, I like to ask myself, is it helpful or, you know, is it or isn't it helpful? And I, right. I, I start to make decisions based on how I want to think on that like unit of measure is it helpful and if it isn't then i go back and i question the the thought or the belief so um but i will say that that's what keeps therapists in business is you know (laughs) going back and unwinding the past for those people who want to do that um especially when there's trauma involved i think that um that's you know that's their specialty that's what they're really good at and as a life coach, I tend to kind of take people where they're at now and we look forward. But I don't do that in a dismissing, you know, I'm not dismissing your past. Um, I think that's where I wanted to go next. Yeah. Yeah. I think that it's worth acknowledging that 
you know, so many of our beliefs are stemming from our past and the messaging that we got. And we just didn't know to question it. We've just carried it forward. We've practiced that thought so much that it has become a belief. And may, hopefully today, your takeaway is to start questioning your thoughts and your beliefs and question it by asking yourself, is it helpful? Is it getting me yeah. closer to what I want or getting me further away? Or am I stalled out because I believe that? Yeah. Well, you know, I, I kind of interjected uh, quietly there um, a moment ago. I mean, really, some of what you sh shared just now is kind of the more harsher, hardcore uh, pathway that's prevalent in society today of F your feelings, right? Well, no, we are, the human being is, is this, you know, trillions and trillions of cells organism that emotion, environment, exposure, trauma, all of it impacts the being, the very fiber of our own individual soul. Right. And so you can't just, and admittedly, I've said that in the past, right? You know, I like to joke, I'm a closet redneck. I'm a guy you'll find, I hopefully this afternoon, uh, pick up my 96 F-250 truck. Uh, hopefully tomorrow my schedule can hold, which I believe I will allow it to, where I'll be in the woods scouting for deer season in November, you know? Mm -hmm. So I'm a closet redneck. And, and yet here I am embracing and having these conversations. You know, mm -hmm. I'm leading the conversations on my own trauma from childhood. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's something for men is very hard to do and right. very rare. Mm -hmm. But I feel it's where I'm called to be. And I say things like that, called to be. And really what you, what you touched on there at the end is we all have these things, but the underlying reality, as harsh as it is, is that the world does move forward. Mm -hmm. And there's a choice mm -hmm. as a person to participate in that forward movement. Mm -hmm. You either right. do or you don't. Yep. And I think Pick that up. that belief, I love that you have that belief that everything is a choice because that belief baked into that belief is control, right? When you have made the decision that you always have a choice you put yourself in the driver's seat. You put yourself in the place of actually retaining control. It's when you think that you don't have a choice that you start to feel like a victim. You feel like life is happening like to you instead of for you, or life is happening to you instead of because of you. Like it's a completely different way of thinking and simply it's which part of your brain are you operating from? So when I talk about the like the three-pound organ in between your ears, if you were to cut that straight down the middle, the left side is the primitive part of your brain that's meant to keep you alive. And it uses these very dramatic survival-type fear-based thoughts to do that. The right. other part of your brain, I like to call it your prodigy brain because it's the more extraordinary part of your brain. Doctors and scientists would call it your prefrontal cortex, but it's the part of your brain that allows you to kind of be the watcher. It allows you to clearly see those fear-based narratives that are happening 
And it allows you in response, instead of reacting, it allows you to respond with a question. Like, is that even true? So it's not a matter of doing things right or wrong or, you know, good or bad. It's, I would ask yourself, which part of my brain am I operating from? And it makes perfect sense that you're operating from the primitive part of your brain because it is a stronger part. It has been used unintentionally a heck of a lot more. So, you know, going back to the muscle analogy, you know, I like to think of, um, you know, having a mental fitness routine in order to strengthen your brain, not unlike when you go to the gym to strengthen your bicep, you got to get in the reps and you you do that with intention. That's how you strengthen it. So I like to give that analogy, be thinking of your mental fitness as important, if not more important than physical fitness and approach it in the same sort of way. Take a proactive yeah. approach to it and intentionally strengthen it. And how do you do that? Like simply by being more aware, that's where you start. Become aware of what it is that you're thinking and feeling. And I'll say that most people kind of fall in one of two categories. Either they have the ability to be more aware of their thinking or they have the ability to be more aware of their feeling. I tend to fall in the feeling category where I can quite quickly go, oh, I'm feeling frustrated. Oh, I'm feeling anxious, right? I can catch it. I can kind of intercept it at that level. And then I have to work my way back. What am I believing? What am I thinking that's actually causing that feeling? A lot of people can can catch themselves in the actual act of thinking. Um, that's just not the way I'm built, but um, probably the more creative people. <laughs> I bet you, you probably can catch your thinking a lot quicker than I can. Um, but that it's just a matter of which part of your brain are you operating from. And if you're operating from your prodigy part of your brain, you can intercept before things start to unfold and create like net negative results. And so, right. so being in touch with your feelings is hugely important. Um, and it's not because unwanted feelings are bad. It's because you have made a decision of what it is that you want and you are like retaining the control of that kind of choice. And so you're just moving closer to what it is that you want. Unwanted feelings typically hold you back from any sort of progress. So not that they're bad. Again, they just kind of create contrast for you. They they give you clarity of what you do and don't want so that you can continue to make decisions. Um, but if you are in that like, kind of momentum phase, you're wanting to make some progress, then you want to intentionally decide how do how do I need to be feeling here? So yeah. we have a planner because our our four-step system of better understanding yourself, of thinking in a way that gets you the results that you want from your life. We like to create an applied learning experience. And so often we'll say, you know, we're going to do a free masterclass on how to heal a relationship. And we're going to utilize ourself. That's the, you know, our four-step framework, S-E-L-F. We're going to utilize the self-framework to achieve that goal of healing a relationship. And so we've done hundreds of masterclasses where we've taken all these different topics and we've used those topics as an application to teach this tool, how to utilize yourself. And one day I started thinking about it. I'm like, 
how can I like really like attract the bigger audiences? Because this is really important to me to teach people how to think so that they feel a sense of self-control, so that they create a sense of self-reliance, so that they no longer, you know, point the finger, blame things outside of themselves for their experiences. Um, it's really important to me to teach this. And so how do I capture the bigger audience? And I'm thinking to myself, what does everybody have? You know, what can challenge every single human being that walks on the face of this earth? And I'm like, well, we all have a day. <laughs> it's very universal. It's very abundant. And a lot of people struggle getting through it. And a lot of people struggle getting through an hour. You know, they feel out of control when it comes to the day. And so we created a planner a daily planner, and we use that as a means to teach the self-framework. So we teach people how to really go within to make decisions. And so the S-E-L-F, the four steps, we teach people how to start with a decision, how to make a decision. So the S is start with a decision, any decision, big, small. But if you want to really like get some forward momentum, make a decision on what it is that you want. Make a decision ahead of time about how you want to feel as you progress towards what it is that you want. We also teach people how to eliminate the self-sabotage. So we teach you how to ask yourself questions, how to coach yourself. So eliminating the self-sabotage is the second step. You have to have an awareness of those primitive brain narratives that you're unintentionally listening to. So I think we can all relate to those judgmental thoughts. Like, I should have done that better. I shouldn't have done this. He should have said this or he should have been home when he said he was going to be, right? Or, oh, here we go again. Halloween's coming up and I'm going to have all sorts of candy <laughs> lying around the house that I've got to eat, right? Like, so you start right. judging events or I'll be happy once I you know, create the six-figure income that I wanted. Like you're withholding happiness until that's how you judge events. So being aware of your tendency to listen to those saboteur narratives so that you can eliminate the self-sabotage. So again, step one, start with a decision. Step two, eliminate the self-sabotage. Learning how to coach yourself, asking yourself questions. The third step is leveraging your prodigy brain strengths, like learning how to think of yourself as the solution instead of thinking of yourself as the problem. Mm. Like I used to back in my advertising days because I was so stressed out, because I was so overwhelmed, because I was so frustrated, I would turn to food. I turned to the wine to numb all of those feelings. And then I would deduct from that. I'm the common denominator to all my problems. I'm so broken. I don't know how to deal with this in any other way. I never thought of myself as the solution. And so learning how to tap into compassion and empathy and innovation, those are the strengths that are only available to you when you're operating from your prodigy brain. And so we teach yep. you how to like bridge the gap from the primitive part of your brain to the prodigy part of your brain. And then the fourth step is finish with a decision. Like, how do you take the next step, the next step that's so easy, it's almost hard to do. So we teach you how to like plan your entire day, how to plan out the perfect day, 
by utilizing those four steps, starting with the decision, eliminating the self-sabotage, leveraging those strengths like empathy and discovery and innovation, and fourth and finally, finishing with the decision. Just taking that next step that's so easy, it's almost hard not to do. And we teach it in the accordance of planning out your day because there's lots of decisions to be made as you navigate through your day. Yeah. I love everything you just shared. And, you know, uh, you it's timely because you actually have a masterclass. Plan your perfect day this yeah. Friday, the 27th. Now, yeah. I'll caution everybody listening. You might pick this up on audio and this one will drop out after the 27th. That's okay. You go to selfmadeyou.com and you can, uh, that's self-madeyou, letter u.com on the screen in our show notes. I'm sure there's going to be more. Tracy said she's done hundreds and I'm sure we'll continue to do hundreds. Yeah. But for anybody catching this live today, um, you uh, um, uh, can pick that up on Friday, the 27th, 10 o'clock East Coast time. And you can register right there on the site. Uh, you know, it's interesting. I've, I've really, I'm really working in life to put a lot of ease into my life, right? Yeah, I shared, if my schedule holds tomorrow, that's such a silly thing to say. I'm in control of my schedule mm-hmm. and I'm going to do it. Uh, um, but I've also been listening to our conversation and there's, there's two things that affirmed for me to share. And I've shared this before on my shows, but I, I always want to make sure it's right for the moment with each individual guest. You know, you shared about, um, what happens, it doesn't happen to us, it happens for us. And that's a statement that gets shared a lot, you know, by folks like you and I. Um, and then you also shared something as you were wrapping up your self-framework um, uh, in the L vertical, and I forget exactly what it was. Yeah, but it was leveraging, just that little, leveraging your prodigy brain strengths and, yeah, and really yeah, that's what it was. empathy. Yeah. That's what it was right there. And so I'll share this and I, and I hope it's okay to do so. I, I think given your, given what you do and how you serve others, it'll be all right. So I shared the trauma of my childhood. Well, that trauma in childhood was childhood sexual abuse and it was violent and it was awful mm-hmm. and it lasted for five years and it spanned two countries when we where I was lived in Canada and moved to the States, uh, not even 500 miles could separate it. And so I share this because I think so often we throw out, folks like us, we throw out that things don't happen to us, they happen for us. And we leave people really struggling to understand exactly what that means. So I'll share what that means for me. And, and this may be very hard for people to understand if you've had a, a trajectory like mine in life. Um, but I believe this evil was put upon my shoulders because I could shoulder it. Because I'm that prodigy brain of me is to stand in the gap. To fill that gap for others. And that's what I've come to accept. And I'm very comfortable with it. Uh, I've authored a book sharing my story. Um, you know, this is where I'm going in life. And, and so that's an example of accepting that statement of it doesn't happen to us, it happens for us. Yeah. And so when you touched on the L part of your, your self framework, I'm like, well, there's the second nudge, uh, leaving our conversation flow. There it is. There's the moment. Yeah. And um, and I just wanted to share that. I wanted to share that for people listening and watching and who are going to pick this up. That that's what this means. At least that's what it means for me. It might be a little different for you and I want your thoughts. But yeah. that happens to us and happens for us conversation 
often gets thrown out. And I wanted to share what that's looked like for me personally. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and it's I know it can be hard. Yeah. And it's, and if you're somebody who just cannot get there, who you're like, I wish I had that line of thinking and I just don't buy it. I also want to really come alongside of you, affirm you that this is a process. Jeff did not just wake up one day and decide that this happened for him. It's been a journey of self-discovery. And so it's a process. So that's what I want you to first understand and know and just try that on that it might be possible that someday you'll believe that this happened for you. And it's okay that you don't believe that right now. That's okay because that's where you're at in the journey. And you need to have this moment in order to make the next few moments actually happen. And so just have some compassion and some empathy about where it is that you're at today. Recognize how normal your thoughts and feelings are. But I would also challenge you to ask yourself, is this how I want to continue to feel? That's a really important question to ask yourself and to really answer honestly. Because if the answer is no, how I'm feeling right now, I also want you to remember that Jeff said, we always have a choice. We always have a choice. And in what way might that be true? For you in this very moment. We can't change circumstances. Believe me, I want to change circumstances just as much as the next guy. We can't change what has happened, but we always have a choice about how we're going to think about circumstances that have already happened, that are about to happen. We always have a choice. And so if you've answered yes, to the question, I want to feel different. Now ask yourself, how can I start thinking different so that I feel different? There is a way, there's a multitude of ways that you can think differently. And I love the thought, you know, I'm not ready right now to believe that this was a gift and an opportunity, but it's possible. It's possible one day I'll believe that. Just notice how that makes you feel different the possibility right then and there. And notice we didn't, we did not like tap into anything outside of us. We used ourselves to have a little compassion, a little bit of empathy to really discover other ways of thinking to feel differently. Like that's where I want you to just focus on like how much control you have over generating a new feeling. And those kind of compounded steps is what changes lives. And so we love to hold hands with the people who answer yes to that question. I want to feel differently and we can show you how. Yeah. I love how you came over the top of what I shared. Um, Because I've I've been sharing it the way I did and you gave me something new about uh, how I'll speak forward. Say, I can be in this position. I'm here today because of a lot of years of work. I want to show you, I'm showing you what happens for us looks like. And my hope would be that you're able to get there 
mm-hmm. on your schedule at your level, but I'm here as an example, not as a measuring stick. Right. So thank you for that. Uh, my wonderful producer, Chris, flashed in a comment from Jesus Rodriguez. By the way, if you've liked the show and you love the look of this and everything we put forth, Chris is just fantastic to have along your side for a podcast. Like, can't recommend him highly enough, but Jesus is a new friend. Jesus actually is uh, also known as Rico Rodriguez from WWE, the Worldwide Wrestling Entertainment, uh, or as, you know, People of my age, WWF. It'll always be WWF to me. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. The thumb wrestlers, the plastic figurines you could concuss somebody with when you chuck that at your friend. It's always going to be WWF to me. Anyway, uh, Jesus has this story. You know, uh, not not like mine. I'm sorry. I shouldn't say it that way. Jesus has, you know, a story of what happens to us happens for us. And I mean, here's a man that was an immigrant as a child and uh, had to learn the language. Uh you know, back and forth uh, from states to Mexico, uh, found a way, found a connection to something, rose it high, came low, rose high, and now just this this past weekend, um, put on a great event, a great wrestling event that brings in the community and brings in young men and young children into something that inspired him. And like, so here's somebody else being that example. Mm-hmm. of low times and, and you know, working through all that. So, hey, Zeus, man, I love that you tuned in today. I'm so happy we're connected more than just the Friday we spent together at an event. So, thank you, man. Appreciate you. Tracy, this has been wonderful. I think, you know, um, this is, I think this is the time to wrap up our time. You know, just, I mean, we ended on such a high note. Thank you for pouring into me and our listeners and our watchers. Um, you've got your masterclass. What would you, what would you, one last parting note uh, about your masterclass, your self framework, the connection you seek to have with the people you work with? Yeah. How would you like to wrap up our time? Yeah, I would love for every person who walks the face of this earth to just consider that they may be the solution to their goals. They may be the solution to overcoming some big challenges once and for all in their life. And I would just challenge you to consider, what if that's true? Because I know personally, I never, ever thought that. I always concluded that I was the problem, that I was the source. I never thought of myself as the solution. And so I am talking about, you know, creating self-reliance, um, self-confidence, and, you know, really turning to nothing outside of you. Do not, you know, spend any more time, energy, money on the silver bullets that you have already proven to yourself. They don't work in a sustainable way. I want to challenge you to think differently. What if I might be? What if I start thinking of myself as the solution. And it really does come down to learning how to think differently. It liberates you in a way that I almost can't put words to. And so I would just challenge you to ask yourself that question and kind of try on that thought. And if it feels good, try it on more than once. Like, let's like replace some of those old neural pathways, those old thoughts with this new thought that it's possible. I might be the solution to 
all of my goals, all of my problems. Love that. Love that thought of trying it on. Love it. Um, Tracy, this has been great. Great connection to you. Uh, great time. If you're catching this live today or you watch the replay tomorrow on Wednesday, um, the 25th, I guess that would be, um, check out her masterclass right there on her homepage, self-madeyou.com. It's Friday, the 27th at 10 o'clock. Uh, I'm sure you'll get a lot of great insights and great ways to become that solution in life. You're not just a problem. You can be that solution. Try it on. Tracy, thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. You're welcome. You're welcome. Another great show. I'm I'm loving this direction we're going. I hope you're down with it uh, because it's where I'm going. And I can't wait to bring you more of it. So Tracy, thank you again. Everybody else, Jesus, thank you for tuning in. Chris, thanks for the wonderful support as always. Everyone else, we'll see you next week on The Big Ticket Life. Go out there, do life and business on your terms. We'll see you next week. Take care. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode of The Big Ticket Life. You've heard from another amazing guest living their own Big Ticket Life, and now it's time to live yours. First, I'd love for you to take me up on my free gift to you. Find your gift at gift.bigticketlife.live. That's gift.thebigticketlife.live. See, all your life you've been told what is and what isn't possible by the loudest voices from the cheapest seats. It's time to finally do life and business on your terms. Sure, you've heard similar things, but without clarity on what can be done, it's easy to have your customers, employees, maybe even partners, and your spouse keep you from truly living a big ticket life. My big ticket methods shift you into that investor seat in your business, away from commodity and away from competition into a market of one so you can finally live your own big ticket life. So my gift to you is for you to book your discovery call today where we'll uncover first the Chivo behaviors, those chief everything officer behaviors that hold you back and why moving into the investor seat in your own business is critical. Two, we'll uncover the premium position that's up for grabs right now in your market that you're missing out on. And three, which big ticket methodologies are just waiting to be dropped into your business to explode your sales and profits. So again, thanks for listening to this episode. I'd love for you to take action right now. Accept this gift. Book your call. Go to gift.thebigticketlife.live. Again, that's gift.thebigticketlife.live.